0: everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Curiosities in Psychology. So today we're going to be chatting about neuroplasticity and how to shape your brain. So we'll be discussing um, how our brain changes through environmental stimuli, but also how we can kind of control and enhance our brain's capacity. So today I'm joined by Molly Wells. Molly is currently doing her PhD in neuroscience at the University of Tasmania. So welcome Molly. Thank you so much
1: Lexi. Thanks for having me. I'm honoured to be uh, the first guest. Oh, thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I'm actually genuinely really excited to chat to you today. This stuff is really interesting mm-hmm. um, and I'm keen to learn more about it. But let's start off if you don't mind just by giving everyone a brief yeah. understanding of what neuroplasticity actually is.
1: Yeah I guess neuroplasticity is all in the name. Um, but we need to think of it as malleable plastic rather than like a rigid kind of Um, plastic so um thinking of it as like a a drink bottle is quite helpful but like a a coca-cola one where you can kind of indent it and um indent it back out uh, and it stays maintains its shape and function so that's basically what our brains are doing they're um being malleable plastic that we can uh use over time when we learn new skills or behaviors uh to sort of reshape our brains in in
0: often a a very positive way Mm. yeah that's a good example actually to think about it (laughs) Um, I remember as well learning probably when we were doing neuroscience at yes, uni yes. Um, about how brains can change like right from the very beginning and I remember learning in particular about neuroplasticity and if you're born with an impairment so as an example someone who's born blind often develops better senses such as hearing or sense of smell sense of taste mm. um, because the brain kind of adapts to be able to enhance these other skills because of this impairment and so yeah it's amazing that it can happen from such a young age as well but let's chat a little bit about neuroplasticity throughout the lifespan so does it continue to happen throughout the life and how can we kind of promote it into old age
1: yeah definitely so um throughout our our lives we engage in this thing called uh, neurogenesis which is is the creation of new brain cells in the brain Um, and we originally thought that this only happened in childhood but we know that it it does continue throughout the lifespan so it's pretty cool it's not like you you get to older age and your brain is completely deteriorated or anything like that it is possible yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) thank goodness so um yeah we can engage with our brains by learning new skills over our whole life and sort of um what, what happens in, in older adulthood is kind of similar to what you just talked about with um, someone who might be blind or deaf. So as we get older, we might lose um, some uh, brain matter in our brain, just deterioration over time. But the good thing is, is we can re-recruit uh, kind of areas in the brain to uh, maintain function. So um, we might have activation in other areas of the brain we might have not had before. Um, and, and just using uh, uh, all our resources in our brain to uh,
0: its full potential hmm. so are there certain regions of the brain uh, that are more malleable or more responsive to change than others
1: yeah definitely so we know that um the hippocampus where we s- do a lot of um storing of our long-term memory is um really uh, important for uh, engaging neuroplasticity so a-, a funny example i like to give us this study um they found that um taxi drivers who drive through london um have increased i think it was gray matter and brain volume um in their hippocampi mm-hmm. um compared to other people because they have to memorize these crazy in, in depth maps of um inner city london which yeah. is really complicated yeah um yeah so that that's a crazy <laughs> i remember example. we learned yeah, that, we learning uni. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how you can
0: literally see the change exactly. in exactly yeah
1: no exactly and um, another region uh, is the prefrontal cortex which is one of my favorite regions mm-hmm. um, and it's that's kind of responsible for a lot of our executive function so higher order cognitive control that's um, to do with working memory and uh, attention and that kind of thing um, we know that that's pretty responsive to to change over time and that we can recruit these areas in different ways as we get older or as ha- or if we have um, different types of damage to the to the areas so um, but I do we want to emphasize that it, it definitely occurs throughout the brain so neurogenesis and um, functional plasticity happens through, throughout our lives um, mm-hmm. and throughout areas of the brain so yeah, yeah good to know good to know mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so what's the relationship between neuroplasticity and mental health can certain like mental health conditions such as depression or anxiety affect um the amount of neuroplasticity happening in our brain
1: yeah, so definitely. So, in cases of quite severe depression, uh, we might have underactivation in an area of the brain called the dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's try to say that five <laughs> times fast. <laughs> or, um, Yeah, so what happens there is basically a decrease in activation because we're not using that area um, as much as what we would be in uh, a non-depressive state. Um, So the good thing is, is that we can um, engage with treatment. So, you know, your medications, your therapies, that kind of thing. Um, to re promote this neuroplasticity in the brain, or this other uh, technology called uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation, uh, which uh, you can apply over over the brain, uh, kind of like this, and um, it re stimulates that area. Um, and it's really, really, really great for um, people who might uh, have have had therapies that aren't working for them. So we can mm-hmm. go into this kind of pathway, and and the same thing with. Um, the amygdala in the, in our brain, uh, this is a an area that's really important for engaging fear responses, which we all know we we need, even though they might not be adaptive sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so, what happens in the amygdala when we have anxiety is a bit of overactivation. So we're overactivating it too much, um, and it it's not working for us. So with treatment, we can we know that we can uh, change how how much this uh, area in the brain is firing um, Mm. that may may have been um, maladaptive for us uh, in getting rid of our anxiety and that kind of thing.
0: Mm. Yeah, so our brains are kind of amazingly adaptive, but sometimes it's more of a negative effect. Let's go into that a bit deeper and chat a bit about trauma. Um, if our brains are changed so much with just depression, and anxiety, and things, and what happens when we experience trauma? What happens in the brain?
1: Yeah, so um, you might have heard of these things as like trauma responses. So that's almost thinking of a, a total new learning pathway that we might ignite in our brain to deal with a trauma response. Mm-hmm. And this is actually quite adaptive when we're engaging uh, with trauma um, to sort of maintain our function at a, at a heightened level that we uh, are then able to deal with what. Going on around us, but the the problem is, is this is quite persistent over time. So even after we leave that um, heightened trauma uh, situation, we might still have these pathways in place, and that's when you get things like PTSD, Mm -hmm. which are quite a a persistent form of neuroplasticity and quite a persistent disorder um, that are really reinforced by these maladaptive uh, pathways that we've made during that primary trauma response. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's not to say that we can't rewire this. Um, it's just harder. It's just going to take a longer time. And um, we really do need to work at it and care for these people with um, severe trauma and uh, PTSD because you know it's, it's a long haul.
0: Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. And I know as well with people that have experienced trauma or severe depression or um, depression that's lasted for a long time, that um, our brains can literally shrink in response to this. Um, it's been shown on like brain scans and things. Um, and it's, it's crazy because it kind of shows that, it shows how um, we become so focused on this one thing when we experience trauma um, and that we're not going out and learning new things, we're not doing other things, we're exactly. just hyper-focused and as a result our brains shrink. But we know also that it is possible for that to be reversed so we can learn more and expand our brains more and we're going to chat a little bit more about that later in response to kind of positive psychology and positive ways to enhance our brains. But for now, let's just move on quickly to learning about habits and how um, we can form certain habits in response to trauma. So we know that often when people go through a traumatic experience, they might you know, develop excessive drinking or take drugs or form a habit that um, can be maladaptive or not a very helpful way of coping. So what happens to our brain when we're forming these habits and why is it so hard to break them?
1: Yeah, so it's sort of twofold because we're getting this reinforcement of this learned pathway through just creating a habit. So it's a new learned behaviour. And we're also getting this um, chemical reaction from the drugs or the alcohol that we're taking that is sort of going to have addictive properties that are are hard to overcome as well. Mm -hmm. So it it, it works as an interaction in that way. So I guess that um, it it doesn't mean that you can't overcome them. It, It is, again, just difficult um and it takes you know lots of therapy and um learning new adaptive ways to to cope with things um that's not to say that uh, you know a coping mechanism is is all bad it's just when it's uh to an excessive extent that it's going to cause you um social personal harm you mm-hmm. know um so yeah it's it's definitely yeah, twofold and um but we can uh, rewire this over time because um yeah it's just just hard I guess as well I just want to point out that like if you if you think about it in a logical way why would you um want to get dopamine and serotonin naturally um when you can do it a bit of an easier way and get it through alcohol or drugs Mm -hmm. um you know that's what our brain's thinking and that's what it's telling (laughs) us to do even though that's not the the right way to do it Mm -hmm. so it's changing that that switch and um And trying to uh, overcome those habits which are really tough to break
0: yeah yeah and that's a good point to make that um when we're so like in the zone it's hard to kind of step out objectively when we're getting being flooded with all these good feelings by taking drugs or drinking whatever Mm -hmm. um yeah it's hard for us to kind of step out and go okay I feel great in this moment that long term that's probably not helpful and it's true that there is no wrong way of coping um whatever you do to cope is A fine thing that there are some ways of coping that are kind of more helpful long term than others. So ultimately what we discussed so far is that our brains are kind of shaped by our own learning and also by our environmental stimuli, so things outside of our control. Um, that what are some ways that we can kind of consciously enhance our brain's shape or enhance neuroplasticity
1: yeah so like we sort of mentioned before uh, learning those new skills so whatever that might be for you so it might be yeah learning a new language uh, reading a, a new book or Um, playing video games, whatever it might be that you can uh, actively stimulate and exercise your brain in a way that's just beyond, you know, scrolling on your phone or something Mm -hmm. um, is always going to be a a positive thing. So um, it's really, I mean, you might think of it as a a whole lot of effort that you've got to put in, but it's really not. It's really just as simple as, you know, uh, engaging with something that's a new skill that you like to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So anything can kind of promote this. So how can individuals kind of track changes in their brains is there a way that we can kind of do this without delving into our brains
1: (laughs) (laughs) totally so you can just track it over time with things like if you're playing a video game for instance was it harder at the start to beat that boss or you know is it easier now that those sort of things that you can monitor over time so did you get through that book did you learn how to say something in this new language that you've learned so it's, it's really just monitoring those skills the same way you would monitor exercise and seeing where you're at mm-hmm. so you can write them down you can journal these things it's um all gonna be um, a nice easy way to uh, track your your brain over time without actually having to look at it yeah
0: <laughs> yeah cool so how can positive thinking affect um neuroplasticity in the brain as well because we know that as we talked about before with depression our brains can shrink and that's you know depression can be due to um environmental stimuli but also our own negative thought patterns so what what happens in the brain when we think more positively and kind of um enhance these positive thought patterns
1: yeah so if you think about it when you're in that negative kind of thought pattern you're maintaining this negative feedback loop of uh negative Uh, neuroplasticity as well as a negative kind of behavior whatever that might be Mm -hmm. so if you do more positive things or just positive thinking in general you're gonna jump out of that that loop and start getting on the right path so these things are something like you know social interactions um, meditation journaling all of these things can have a positive impact but uh, you know I want to emphasize that it's it's really not as simple as just being like yeah I'm just going to think positively when you're in that depressive state it's It's super hard to get out of it. Mm. So um, it takes a lot of time with therapy and and overcoming some of those things to really rewire your brain in a positive uh, direction. So, yeah, yeah, lots of things like we were talking about before, I guess, uh, external and intrinsic kind of um, thinking and behavior
0: patterns that Mm. we can, can use to while yeah it does take time but it's definitely worth it because it exactly. definitely makes a difference 100%. Um, and like we said before it can literally like expand our brains so exactly. who doesn't want to expand their brain no, right. <laughs> <laughs> so how does as well how does a greater understanding of neuroplasticity in general and um, the techniques we can use to enhance our brains how does that help us understand it overall and to kind of increase our quality of life
1: yeah well I mean you can think of uh, listening to this podcast right now as uh learning a new skill this is something you didn't know before that's Mm -hmm. gonna change your brain like it's it's all in in those little things that um you might not have thought that were changing your brain that actually are Mm -hmm. and it's always gonna be a positive to learn more and be more in touch with your mental health and your brain and your body and your behavior um than it is to to not be so i think um yeah it's just it's overall really really important to um know know yourself know your brain learn about it like listening to this podcast um so yeah it's it's
0: all positive yeah great so thank you so much for coming in today there's lots of fun chatting to you i just got one last question if you don't mind Mm -hmm. what is your favorite fact about psychology yeah well i guess that's a big question (laughs) um too
1: many things yeah so many so many things but i am gonna go for a neuroscience fact Mm -hmm. um it's fair yeah so um in i'm pretty sure it's the medial temporal lobe in our brain so it's like a lower kind of down lobe there is a neuron that these people found uh this this study found and it was uh fired only when people saw pictures of jennifer aniston <laughs> so they have conveniently called it the uh, jennifer aniston neuron uh, in <laughs> the brain so uh yeah i just find that quite interesting yeah I guess, that it's um and and there is it is quite it's funny but it is kind of serious as well because there is uh, lots of neurons in the brain that will fire when we see uh certain things whether this might be jennifer aniston or whatever it is mm-hmm. um you know they kind of ignite when we see or hear certain things so i just find that so interesting <laughs> on a single cellular level um that there <laughs> is a jennifer aniston neuron And i think i might have found a brad pitt one as well i oh, have really? to check <laughs> i swear i'm not making it yeah up. um but yeah that
0: is kind of a fun that is a cut. cool fact that's <laughs> yeah. such a random thing i <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. And again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Lexi. I really enjoyed it.